that we just bow our heads, close our eyes. Where you are, just pray. Pray for yourself and also pray for Pastor Kofai. Then later I'll lead us in time of prayer. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that today we can come and hear from your word. I pray that God, you'll keep us awake physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to hear from you, Father. I believe you have a word for us. And I pray for your anointing and your strength to Pastor Kokwaya as he share forth your word. I pray that God, he will share with your convictions and your power. We thank you, Father, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I see that very few people are wearing pink shirts today. The, the things I do for PPH, not a pink shirt person. Well, everybody knows what today is. You know, talking about special days. Um, I just found out that my birthday is a very special day in China. My birthday is 11th of November, and it's a special day in China. They call it the Guang Guanjie, which means bear sticks. A holiday or bear pole holiday. And then I had to ask Pastor Wu Xia how to read these few words. And it's like, Zaman, Guang Guan, Yu Li Liang. It's like, power to the single people. That's what it means, okay? So on the 11th of November, uh, every year in China, they celebrate singlehood. Then Pastor Wu Xia also told me, hey, but there's another interpretation uh, of. 11th November, no, 1111. And it is this. Which sort of means something like, I think, one life, one lifetime, one man, one woman, one husband, one wife, one heart, one mind. And it celebrates marriage. So my birthday is very good. and celebrate anything. And, you know, I'm really glad that uh, finally, finally Valentine's Day falls on on a Sunday, and I've been so looking forward to wearing pink and preaching a Valentine's a message that is so romantic, so sweet, so sickly, so lovey, so love, so dovey. You know, all my life I want to preach on Valentine's Day. You know that Valentine's Day is actually on the on the church calendar of the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, uh, the Anglican Church. So it is a very Christian uh, thing, but. What do you think of when you, when you think of Valentine's Day? Like flowers, especially roses. And I found out that a stock of rose costs about 10 bucks today. Or yesterday, I think. So I saw somebody walking in with roses just now, you know, a whole big bunch. Um, chocolates, chocolates, uh, love messages, uh, love poems, uh, romantic dinners, and, and all that, right? And so, if that is Valentine's Day, then I think that PPH is not very romantic. Uh, because according to my records, only one couple in PPH got married on Valentine's Day. Okay, go find out. Um, and in fact, I think maybe even Singapore is not very uh, romantic because uh, I understand that these days people send Valentine greetings to all and sundry, uh, including their mothers. And, and somebody said, oh, that's pathetic. No way, no way. Sending a Valentine 
message to your mom is commendable. It is to be encouraged, uh, especially when you find out how Valentine's got, got started, right? So have you ever wondered how Valentine's Day got started? One story goes uh, this way, that, that in medieval Europe, there was um, this belief that on the second fortnight of the second month of the year, second fortnight, second month, 14th of February, uh, is when birds begin to come together. Birds begin to mate. And so they say the poets picked up on this theme and, and blended mating and love and voila, that's Valentine's. And there was this very famous uh, poet called Geoffrey Chaucer who wrote this book of poems called The Parliament of Fowls, The Parliament of uh, Birds, uh, who popularized this notion. So that's one story. But I think it's more likely that uh, it's about a person called Saint Valentine, a saint. But there are 12 Saint Valentines uh, in history. And according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, it's a Catholic church that uh, beatifies uh, saints and all, right? Uh, um, there are three Saint Valentines associated with the 14th of February. So it's like, then which one? What is the story? And all over Europe, they, they, people say that uh, they have bits of bones of uh, St. Valentine. So this, this one is found in Rome, and then there are others in Spain and elsewhere. So that it's like all over the place. So which is St. Valentine? And it's really a confusing uh, a picture. Um, how did St. Valentine come about? What was the story? And he is supposed to be the patron saint of uh, love and of happy marriages. Some say even the patron saint of young adults, so it will be very popular here. So this is what I managed to piece together, okay? Some 250 years after uh, the birth of Christ, so to about 250 AD, uh, around that time, there was a priest by the name of uh, Valentine or Valentinos in, in Roman uh, he lived in Rome. At the time, Claudius was the emperor of Rome. And people called this emperor Claudius the Cruel. Claudius, like many emperors, wanted a big army to conquer lands. He found out that men in general do not like to leave home to go and fight wars for their kings. They don't want to leave their girlfriends. They don't want to leave their wives. And that made him really angry. And so, he had this crazy notion that only if only the men were not married, then I can get them to become my soldiers. And so, he decreed that there would be no more marriages. And Valentine, as a priest, thought that that was ridiculous. It is God's holy institution of marriage. Go forth and multiply. And, and his, one of his favorite duties as priest, as it is mine, is to go and marry people off. And, and, and how can an emperor stop that? It is ungodly. And so he continued. He continued to perform wedding uh, ceremonies where in the ceremony, he would like whisper instead of having a very public thing. He would say, do you take so-and-so to be your lawful wedded wife? Like that. And be on the watch out for soldiers um, who would be implementing the emperor's decrees. One day, 
as he was marrying this couple, indeed soldiers came and the couple was able to escape, but he was caught and so he was thrown in jail. Punishment was death. And when he was in jail, many young people came to, to visit him or they would throw flowers uh, at uh, his, his window. They wanted to show him that they, that they support him and they believe in love. They believe in marriages. And one of these young people was the daughter of the prison guard. And they had many chats together, the daughter of the prison guard and Valentine. And, um, and on the day that he was to die, he left a note for the daughter of the prison guard uh, thanking her for her friendship, for her loyalty, for her support, and he signed it, Love from your Valentine. So began the tradition of sending love notes on Valentine's Day because he died on the 14th of February, 269 AD. So that's supposed to be the story. But there are other legends as well about whether or not it is this same Valentine or some other uh, Valentine. And one was that he, he healed the jailer's daughter of, of blindness. Uh, and then another said that it wasn't the jailer's daughter, it was a judge's daughter who was healed of blindness. Another said that he got killed because he tried to preach the gospel to Emperor Claudius and uh, then he got his head uh, chopped off. But the bottom line is, wherever you mention St. Valentine, it is about being killed. It is about martyrdom. For whether it was protecting the godly institution of marriage or for trying to share Christ with the emperor, it's about martyrdom. So, now that we know a little bit about Valentine's Day and its origin, that it is actually about death and love, or love unto death, martyrdom. I want now to address the next closest thing to death in this world. The next closest thing to death is marriage. Okay? You get married, you die. Same difference. Okay? It's like a wife asking her husband, you know, do you love me? And the husband says, of course I love you. Then the wife says, would you die for me? Then the husband says, I think some of you who know this, mine is an undying love. I will not die for you. And so this husband has failed. But Scripture doesn't say this, right? Scripture says, John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. So it is a love unto death. So this morning, I went to Google Marriage and death. And guess what I found? One quotation from Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson is a comedian from long ago. He's, he's since passed away. He says, Married men live longer than single men, but married men are a lot more willing to die. Another one is, A wedding is a funeral where you smell your own flowers. Now, these quotes are, are supposed to be mocking the institution of marriage, but they are true. They are true because love is about dying to self. Love is about dying for someone. And marriage is about dying that you would lay down your life for your spouse. And so for this morning, for those of you who, like that husband, has an undying kind of love, I want to take this opportunity to un undie your love. <laughs> so that you will have a love unto death, a dying kind of love, the John 15 kind of love. And many months ago, I, I promised um, Focus on the Family that I would do a renewal of wedding vows on Valentine's Day 
together with many other churches in, in Singapore. So I made this promise. So how? You got to do it, right? <laughs> got to do it, right? So, um, so let's do it, right? Um, there's nothing romantic here. We've got no pink decorations and flowers, but let's create this romantic bubble uh, for, for those who are couples. I counted 13 wedded couples here and maybe three or four who are going steady or boyfriend, girlfriend here, okay? So I know. No. So let's create this privacy bubble uh, around us and if husband and wives are together and hold hands, I think boyfriend and girlfriend also can, uh, although you are not yet uh, made wedding vows, okay? So I'm not going to make you stand up, but let's, let's do this uh, together. Okay. So one, two, three. On this day, I reaffirm my love. Hey, must repeat lah, okay? <laughs> don't, don't just let me do it, right? Okay, one, two, three. On this day, I reaffirm my love for you. I will love, honor, and cherish you in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, for better or worse, and forsaking all others, be faithful to you for as long as we both shall live. For the times I have failed you, I ask for your forgiveness, and I promise to seek His wisdom and pray for His grace in order that I may be molded to be the spouse He wants me to be for you. In the presence of God and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I renew these vows. May our marriage be a reflection of His love for us all the days of our lives. And Amen. And this is the part where I will say, you may now kiss uh, the wife of your youth. Not your bride, whatever. Okay, let's consider the topic of love. Um, maybe even try to analyze it a little bit. Um, what love is, what love is not. You know, I think that we're all very familiar with the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? That great passage about love that is often um, mentioned in weddings, that love is patient, love is kind, uh, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, and, 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 and so on and so forth. And I want to show you my, my father's calligraphy Okay, this is in Chinese. He wrote it out. Uh, he's not a believer, but he looked at the Bible and he wrote out, love is patient, love is kind. And, and it hangs in PPH CSC, you know. This is PPH CSC. It hangs up there. I'm so proud that uh, he did that. Um, but you know that love is patient, love is kind, and all that starts in verse 4. Um, and I want to turn our attention to the first three verses of chapter 13, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. And so let's analyze this a little bit. So love is more than words. I think there's a song that goes like that, right? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And you know the, the Romans and the Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians, right? Corinthians, they, 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 they prize the, the gift of speech and of oratory. They enjoy 
the eloquence. Okay, in those days, there's no like, no like social media or whatever, no TV, and and so oratory is one of those entertaining things. And and they call these people the silver tongue people. Okay, they can speak very well. They're good orators, and and words and persuasive speech is is just so powerful, even even today, and. Every century will, will produce some great um, orator. And I didn't know this, but there's a guy called Patrick Henry. He's one of the founding fathers of uh, America. And he has this great quote that he mentioned, give me liberty or give me death. And upon something like that, you know, he, a whole nation arose in America to fight off the, uh, the, the, the colonial masters of, of England. And so that's how America came about. Give me liberty or give me death. And Winston Churchill, you know, uh, mobilized that whole nation that was just so down and out and desperate during World War II, uh, uh, England, and he was able to unite the country by oratory. President Ronald Reagan was called the, the great communicator, right? So he had the gift of the gap. Martin Luther King Jr., who can forget his I, you have, I have a dream uh, speech, and they were able to... to arouse a nation, and our own little Lee Kuan Yew can speak for hours and hours in the hot noonday sun of Fullerton Square. So these are people like that. But there are also the negative examples, right, of people who spew hatred and it's like flowery orators who speak about everything but without love. You think about Hitler, for example, right? Just hatred, hatred, but he mobilized people. Or even religious fundamentalists of today's just hate-filled speech. So, words, so important, but words without love. What does the Bible say? Noisy gong. Clanging simple. Just, just noise. And, and Christianity exploded in the Roman Empire in, in uh, Paul's days, in the days of 1 Corinthians, uh, was due to the fact that, that Christians, yes, they preach. They used words to talk about the love of Jesus, but they also practically demonstrated their love. You know that, that in the um, early days, uh, it was the Christians always, right, to go to um, uh, leprosy camps and, and all the down and dirty stuff. It was the Christians who took care of people because we have a good teacher. Jesus loved, and he loved in concrete, practical ways. He loved with a towel, washing his disciples' feet, he loved carrying a cross. He loved nailed to the cross with arms outstretched, carrying man's sins. The story was told of a, a woman who got somehow trapped under uh, a bus. And, and while the people were looking for a crane to lift up the bus to release her, everybody was like crowding around and saying, hey, you can make it, no, don't, uh, uh, giving her encouragement and all that. Uh, until one man crawled up next to her, lied, laid under the bus and stretched out her hand and held her hand. He said, you can make it. I'm with you. You can make it. And when she was finally released, she said, I never thought an outstretched hand could mean so much. So it's more than words. And in the same way, God has stretched out His hands to help us. His hands got new prints in them. Love is more than words. Sometimes it is an outstretched hand. Love is also more than prophecy. If I have prophetic powers and have not love, I am nothing Prophecy is both declaring the Word of God as I am doing now about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first three verses, as well as revealing 
the events that are based on the Word of God, for example, that Christ will come again, that Israel will be reunited and all that. And preachers and their messages are remembered not so much for what we say, but how our lives uh, live. And that is a very scary thought. And someone once said that, I, I don't remember a single sermon that you preach, but I remember how you live your life. So, love is much more than just declaring God's Word. And, and there are many popular preachers uh, out there now who preach out of wrong motives, uh, whether it is for money or for personal recognition or power or, or fame. They can be great communicators, but when they have failed lives, it cancels out whatever high-polluting exhortations that, that they, 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 they give out. So love is more than words. Love is more than prophecy. Love is more even than faith. And we know that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the, is the foundation upon which love is built. And one cannot truly experience God's sacrificial love on the cross until one comes to faith in Christ. But faith without love is nothing, according to Scripture. When the risen Christ came to Peter, what question did he ask Peter? He said, Peter, do you have faith in me? Or, Peter, do you believe me? No, he says, Peter, do you love me? It is a relationship based on faith, no doubt, but it is higher than faith. And you can see from verse 13 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and now this remains, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of this is love. So love transcends even faith and hope. And then love is more than giving. If I give away all I have, verse 3, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You know, I think all of us know this famous quote, right? You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So how do you give without loving? Uh, you give me ang pao, I no choice, I got to give you back ang pao. Right? That's, there's no love there. You can give out of a sense of obligation, even out of a sense of guilt. Uh, you can give to attain personal glory. You can give to get a tax break. Or you can give even to buy influence and, 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 and on and on. But you cannot love without giving. Right? So love comes with with giving. And lastly, love is greater or more even than martyrdom. There is holy martyrdom and there is unholy giving of your life, right? So an unholy one is that you sacrifice for something that is other than the love of God and the love of fellow men. And today, unfortunately, we have just too many of this, right? You think about suicide bombers um, and all that and what, what do they really want to get? They want to get a heaven and in heaven there will be a harem of women for them, or something like that. It's totally twisted. So love is more than this. Love is more than words, prophecy, faith, giving, even martyrdom. And someone once said that without love, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I know is incomplete. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Without love, all I give is insignificant. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. So in some sense, we try to analyze a little bit of, of love. You know, it's like, but it's really difficult, right? You want to, it's like a way to break love down into its uh, subcomponents and all that. Somebody once tried to do that with uh, romantic love. 
what, which book in the Bible uh, has teachings about romantic love? Song of Solomon's, right? So this is what this analytical guy got from the Song of Solomon's chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. Say, so your eyes are like doves, your hair is like the flock of goats, your teeth are like the flock of you, your lips are like a scarlet thread, your temples are like a slice of pomegranate, your neck is like a tower of David, your breasts are like two fawn gazelles. So based on this, I think I've come to the conclusion that love cannot be analysed. Okay. Um, but I think love can, can only be recycled. Love is about dying, about dying to self, and at the ultimate, about laying down one's life, about laying down one's rights, laying down your way of doing things. Yes, love is about that, but love is also about recycling. And I believe the highest form of love, the purest form of love, is recycled love. Okay? If you don't get it, let's turn to Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 onwards. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. And so we go to the source, the capital S, source of love, God. God is love. And so we receive, we experience firsthand the love that is from God, a love that is at its purest, a love that is demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we love because He first loved us. And then we give because He first gave Himself for us. Someone once said that everything I needed to know about love, I learned from just one song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And, and just as now we know a little bit about the origins of Valentine's Day, what are the origins of the song? Jesus loves me, this I know. So I managed to find out that it, it first appeared in the form of a poem in a children's novel written by this lady called Anna Warner in 1859. And one of the characters in this story comforts a dying child with these words, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And a couple of years later, a guy by the name of William Bradbury stumbled across this novel, and he took these words, he added a tune, and he added a, a chorus, and within months, this song spread like wildfire throughout America. A simple poem from an obscure novel became the most well-known hymn, you want to call it, in, in this world, and it's been translated into, into more languages, I've been told, than any other song. And it's often used by missionaries as a teaching aid because it's so simple and it's so easy to learn that God is love, that He gave this love by giving us Jesus and Jesus gave His love by giving His life and by forgiving our sins. 
And so love is forgiving and forgiving. And love can be can only be be recycled. Recycled how? As in we bring everything back uh, to the source of love. And so as we receive, we give. If we are able now to receive from God words, prophecy, faith, giving, God's martyrdom as it were, and then now we give words, prophecy, faith, then it will be pure. Recycle that away. So, oh, I'm going to finish very early today. On Valentine's Day, um, I don't know if you might be thinking, as, as I have been thinking over the, the week, that actually I've not, I've not been a very loving husband. I've not been a, a very loving father or even a very, very loving son. I've not been a very loving pastor. I've not even been very loving to my dog. And, and then there are regrets. There are regrets. Um, but the great thing about our faith and our God is that we can start over. We can start over. And God allows us to forget what lies behind and to strain forward to what lies ahead. One of the life verses we looked at last week. Forget what lies behind, strain forward to, lie, to what lies ahead. We can start over. In some sense, it's like we can recycle it back to the source and then come out again. So the story is told of a wife who has um, three small children and she's had this, this terrible day and a washing machine broke down, the dog got sick, the dinner got burned and and the kids were not behaving. And then, then the husband came home and, and she just opened up her verbal diarrhea. And the husband himself was from work. He spoke a few unkind words. Maybe something like, well, you stay here all day and you, you still complain. I got to go outside and work and, or something like that. And then they argue and argue and argue for hours. After two hours of fighting and arguing and, and saying unkind words to one another, the husband said, okay, okay, I'll tell you what, let's start over. Let's start over. I'm going to go outside the house. I'm going to come back in and let's start over. So the wife said, okay. So he went outside. He came in the door, opened the door. Honey, I'm home. And then the wife said, where the hell have you been the last two hours? That's a negative example, okay? Because we can start over as we have renewed our wedding vows. You can start over. We can renew wedding vows. We can, we can have mothers as Valentine. I think that's a very good, noble thing to do and it is to be encouraged. We can recycle our efforts through the source of love. That means go back to the source and say, God, my words have not been good. My actions have not been uh, 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 perfect uh, for my wife or my parents or whatever and get it up there again and let it come down again through us, uh, purified this time. Um, one of my favorite Mandarin Christian songs is about starting over. Um, you, if you know this guy, Su Siming, Calvin So, who um, wrote and sang this song, and let's try and play this song now. It's all in Mandarin, but I'll try to translate a little bit later on. And it just 
touches my heart. something like this um, it's not it's not that I don't want to change and and that the time has eaten away the years but will you give me a second chance to start over it's not that I don't want to change but it's just I'm too weak so I need a helping hand to unlock all that is shackling so can we start over and I believe we can God tells us that we can start over let's bring everything back to the source of love let it come out again, once again, with his strength, with faith, in a, a purer form of how we would love one another. So let's pray as I invite the musicians to come and help us with the closing song. Let's pray. God, we know that how we love is, is so inadequate, it's sometimes is impure. And so we want to return to the source. Lord. We want to bring all that we do, the way that we love our parents, the way that we love our spouses, we want to recycle it all back up to the source. Enable us now to come again at it, to start over a purer, more holy way of loving. And we need your help. We know that the greatest love of all is God's love, the purest, the strongest and that you've laid down your life for us, knowing full well that we are sinful. Your grace has found us, and so Lord, we receive this grace, and we want to pass on this grace. That our love would be pure, would be strong, would be sacrificial, would be the laying down of life kind of love loving unto death. So Lord, give us the strength, enable us to love like you have loved. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we use this closing song to express some desire for our heart.
much time. I just want to do this. I'm going to ask uh, Tim and Julia to sing this song once again, very softly. If you can turn the house uh, volume down. And, and for us, just to take that three four minutes as this song is being sung, to sit here quietly. If you're husband and wife, then hold hands. And just enjoy this moment in God's house, surrounded by the source that God is love. And for us to be thinking about love and how we can express it to parents, one another, our children, siblings. Let's spend these three or four minutes just in prayer. God help me. God help me start over. I have this second chance. Let me make full use of it. And then I'm not going to come up here again as the song is ends and you are free to go or to stay as long as you like.
Majesty. Majesty. 